from Dr. Yvonne McMasters. Now, many of you will know Yvonne by reputation, if not personally. Uh, Dr. Yvonne McMaster was one of Australia's first palliative care specialists. And after retirement, Yvonne didn't slow down. In fact, she, I think she speeds up by the week. Learning that funding Especially for... Especially this afternoon. <laughs> See what I mean? Learning that funding for palliative care had been cut, Yvonne became one of the country's most formidable health advocates. She started Push for Palliative to advocate for better access to palliative care across Australia, especially in rural and regional New South Wales. And I know that many of you have come from regional and rural uh, Australia today to be, join us for this course. Her petition has now been signed by over 86,000 people and has many ambassadors and groups in the push for palliative across New South Wales and the ACT, and many of you will know this in your local communities. The recent um, $100 million, enhance, $100 million enhancement for palliative care in New South Wales owes much to her full-time commitment. Please welcome Dr Yvonne McMasters. Thank you so much for staying back. I'm really amazed at how many people there are here. It's wonderful. I promise you no more death by PowerPoint. <laughs> and it's a bit bad for a palliative care doctor to be in the graveyard shift, isn't it? It's said that the Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years. For 40 years, I've been looking after people in the last stages of their lives. I practiced as a GP before palliative care even existed. The cancer pain I saw then was horrific. For patients and their families, it was hell on earth. It was in the 1960s that a UK nurse turned doctor Cicely Saunders started to find better ways to treat pain. The term palliative care came into use in the 1980s and palliative care became a specialty for doctors and nurses in the 1990s. To palliate means to relieve and palliative care relieves pain and other symptoms and relieves distress and supports the family. And we've been talking palliative care all day today. I mean, this has all been about relieving symptoms, hasn't it? Now specialist palliative care has got the, most, the knowledge and the means to control most symptoms, but not all. Symptoms that have been refractory to treatments so far are those which medicinal cannabis can help most with. Persistent nausea and vomiting, especially with chemo neurological and genetic conditions with multiple seizures, the anorexia caused by cancer, and neuropathic pain. Now at this point, I've heard a lot about pain in the last, um, last lecture. Is he still here? No, I don't think so. Um, he talked about pain and he talked about um, which, that pain could be helped by more opioids, which are awfully difficult and, and, and uh, you know, dangerous, and ketamine. Uh, I agree with him about ketamine. Ketamine is very rarely used, but it's one of the medications used for neuropathic pain. It's a last resort for neuropathic pain, but has horrible side effects. Opioids, on the other hand, are very, very safe. 
if they're in the right hands. And I just don't want you to go away without understanding the difference between two main kinds of pain. One is nociceptic for pain, where somebody pinches you hard or you stick an 18-gauge needle in someone. Then you have nociceptive pain. That's pain when the nerve endings are stimulated. Neuropathic pain is when something, something is affecting transmission along nerve paths. So all of the things we've been hearing about today have been to do with nerve paths and pathways, haven't they? Almost that I've, con that I've been connecting with. So things with the epilepsy. That's very interesting, isn't it? That's something that really might, you know, it seems to connect up also with neuropathic pain. Neuropathic pain, you can all, all test out what neuropathic pain is like for a second by grabbing your ulnar nerve as it passes through your elbow and squeezing it. You know, your funny bone, what we used to call our funny bone, and it sends a, a stab of pain down your, down your arm. And that's one of the ways that neuropathic pain can feel. Or it can be burning, or it can be even a loss of sensation in part of the limb. But neuropathic pain is one of the really hard things. You know, when Cicely Saunders started with opioids in the 1960s, she taught me that you have to titrate the dose of opioid against the pain. And so you would ask the patient, you'd give them a little bit, and then you'd ask them, is the pain gone after four hours? And they'd say yes or no, and if it wasn't gone, you'd up the dose. Well, I brought that message back to Sydney, and so we started upping the dose and upping the dose and upping the dose, and some of our patients went on to really big doses. And frankly, it's extraordinary that we're worrying about about um, what we're prescribing with cannabis because we used amazing doses. We had a lady at Naringa Hospital, which is where I worked in Warunga, who, was, who had um, cancer of the lung and it was invading, invading her chest wall. We didn't know about neuropathic pain then. Nobody did. And so she, her, her morphine went up to 600 milligrams four hourly. And she had to go over to the San Hospital to have some, have some radiation or something. And uh, we weren't allowed to give her a single dose to take over. We had to give her the bottle. Well, I have to tell you that the people at the SAN, they thought she had to have the whole bottle. And then they realized and went, oops. And uh, so she'd had 1,200 milligrams. And we all wondered what the hell was going to happen when she came back. Would she be unconscious? Well, she'd had the best day she'd had for years. <laughs> Seriously. So, you know, that really encouraged us even more. We thought, oh golly, we could we better put her on 1,200 now. No, we were quite undaunted. Then our understandings of neuropathic came pain came along. And this is something you've really got to take away with you because if you've got a patient who's not responding to opioids and you're putting the dose up and they're getting drowsy or they're getting hallucinations or, or they're falling all over the place or getting the jerks, for goodness sake, Examine them properly. Ask them they, what, where this pain is. If it's in a nerve distribution, it's probably neuropathic pain. And then you've got to get some prescriptions for the usual stuff that they try for neuropathic pain. You know, tricyclic antidepressants and, and various gabapentin and, and, um, and, the, and Lyrica, those sorts of things. You'll have heard about them and used them, I'm sure. But none of them are really fabulous. And this is where I'm hoping that... Um, medicinal cannabis might be really good in palliative care. And I talked to Richard Chai 
day before yesterday, preparing for this, and said, and he's one of the researchers at, at um, Sacred Heart Hospital, Hospice, researching medicinal cannabis. So he gave me an update. And he said they're, they're trying it against pain, neuropathic pain. It hasn't been very useful for nociceptive pain. So not much good if you stick a, a needle in them or if you pinch them or if you've got a cancer growing out of the side of someone's neck like one of my patients had. Um, not much good for that. But for neuropathic pain, it seems like it's helping. So this really is something for us to have up our sleeves and to be pushing for in the palliative care area. At the same time, I've got a friend, you know, you've heard the story several times today, of a little girl who was born not too good. She started having fits pretty soon after she was born. And, of course, the story is lovely. Now she's at school, five years old, been on medicinal cannabis for most of her life. Fantastic. She was having fits continuously. At the same time, I've got a mate up in Newcastle who's got pancreatic cancer. He had vomiting, terrible vomiting and nausea when he had his chemo. He started to have medicinal cannabis. Now he's taking it to keep his appetite up. And he's doing really well. So, you know, there are these areas that we've honestly got to push for. No fake news. That's real, genuine stuff. And I just want to inspire you. Think about Lucy Haslam. I don't think she's here right now. Unbelievable woman. Think about that boy's face. We cannot go out of here without committing ourselves to talking to our local members. What you've got to do to talk to your local member, you've got to ring up the, 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 local, the office, you've got to say, I want to talk to the local member about something. It won't be affecting the work you're dealing with at the moment, so you're legally allowed to do it. Nobody can pull you up about that, can they? Surely. Um, and, and then they'll want a letter. So you'll have to write the letter and say why you think this is important, especially if you've seen somebody who's got it or you know of somebody in the district. That's fantastic. And please let me know, and I'll do it. If you can't do it, I'll do it for you. I'm happy to do that. We've had terrific success getting onto local members and getting them to write to the health minister. And be encouraged. The new health minister's got a heart throbbing for palliative care. Brad Hazard. He was in tears talking about his mother when she got palliative care, in tears about how wonderful it was. He's going to be a man who'd only have to see that, a bit of that movie to be on side. And we've really got to do something more. And I'm going to be working much harder now, after today, to help Lucy Haslam. She's done a lot to help me too, I have to say. So, um, oh yes, I had to tell you one other thing. You know what the problem is? It's bureaucrats. It's bureaucrats. It's health bureaucrats. They, they, they can't. I despair. Lucy's despairing too a bit, but we mustn't despair. Um, they, it took them 12 years to get a policy through where nurses could get um, could could uh, uh, do the, the, the thing, <laughs> the document, for recognising that someone was dead. You know, that certificate that you have to write and say, this person's not breathing anymore, so they're dead. And the, then, the, then the, uh, the undertaker can take the body away. Otherwise, if the GP can't come, they've got to get the, get the, the coroner. I'm so excited I'm getting dithery. 
Um, it took them 12 years to get that through. They had to do this and that and uh, they had to go 5,000 cups of tea, I tell you, I've been there and done that. Um, there's lots more like that. It's just very clenched there. Everything's got to be gone over and over and over again. They're terrified that something's going to go wrong. How can they be terrified? I mean, we've been able to prescribe thousands of doses of morphine. Any GP can do it. And we've now got hydromorphone that's 10 times the strength of ordinary morphine. And I mean, you know, if you don't realize that, you know what's going to happen. It's not going to be very long that that person's going to survive if suddenly they get 10 times their dose. So it's, I, and I agree with, um, I think the psychiatrist said, we can't say we're going to try and train every GP in New South Wales to, to be able to be skillful in prescribing medicinal cannabis. They're going to have to ask for help. And that's what palliative care is meant to be about, isn't it? Surely we can have the palliative care profession trained in, in medicinal cannabis, and then GPs, after the first couple of times they do it, they'll know it just as well as everybody. But, you know, all of that stuff, if you start to have programs around the state to let everyone know, you know, they love that stuff. So, look, this is it. Let's get with, with beautiful Lucy Haslam and beautiful Dan Haslam with his, and with the picture of his face in our minds and do something. It's not just writing to the local members. If you get a good story, let me know or let Lucy know because putting it in the local papers eventually gets there. And the ABC is often interested in these stories. So, you know, you don't have to cop the shit if, <laughs> if you've, you know, blabbed. Just say it quietly to us. Okay? That's the story. <laughs>